was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. In my mind. What up, it's your boy, V Mark Rob, aka Showing Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka PC Twitter, aka Feliz Navidad, coming from Santos L. Halper, and <laughs> from us here at We Should Do This Again Sometime and Hyphen Podcast Group, we just wanted to wish you Merry Christmas to And last week's episode, we covered a couple of Cat's favorite Christmas movies. And then this week, we're going to record some of my favorite Christmas movies. They're very unconventional, to say the very least. But you can tell from the sound of my voice in the episode that I had a ball. And Cat is such a trooper. <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate her and everything that she does for this podcast. After this episode, we are going to go on a bit of a hiatus to bring in the new year. But then after that, we'll take on 2021 head on. So until then, enjoy. since I had I think it was like 8th grade or some shit and I Christmas Eve I couldn't sleep and I I woke up at like Christmas Eve um, well it was second Christmas day it was like I woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning I just couldn't sleep or whatever and my mom and my stepdad were still wrapping gifts and I was just like fuck it they're both wide awake I'm wide awake and I open gifts at like three o'clock in the morning and I play like 64 until nice. I pass out at like five or six o'clock. Well, I was going to say all that to say you can open, you open your gift whenever it's always fine. Oh shit. They put Wendy on HBO max. Um, yes, they did. I'm very excited. We also have a, we have a movie list of, of stuff that I get to show him and he wants to show me. That's like longer than my leg. I hope you guys watch Jingle All the Way together. He refused to watch it with me. <laughs> it's an American, it's an achievement of American Christmas cinema. Did you read my review on Letterboxd? No, I have not. If it's anything less than it's an American, it's an achievement in American cinema, I'll be very disappointed. This might be the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> The final shot of this movie is <laughs> that was a great dismount. I'm not gonna read the rest right now, but that was an amazing dismount in the movie. So the final shot of this movie is Arnold being carried away from his wife and kid as he swore to spend more time with them. I mean, hey, look. <laughs> Can we talk about <laughs> Can we talk about how Arnold should still win Dad of the Year? <laughs> no. <laughs> this movie is not an ode to the feeling of Christmas. This movie is an ode to American capitalism, and to pretend it's anything less is, like, frankly offensive. Isn't that American Christmases, though? Yes. The rumors are true. We have received a small quantity of the action figure known as Turbo Man. Yes! <laughs> I'm not going to ask you people to be quiet again. Do you hear me? Here's how things are going to work. 
you will form an orderly line so that an employee can hand you a numbered ball. These balls will then be drawn in a standard lottery fashion to see who gets a dollar. If you're not one of the lucky few, we have plenty of Turbo Man's faithful pet tiger booster in stock. And by the way, in accordance with the laws of supply and demand, the new list price on each figure just doubled. I mean, maybe for a lot of people. Oh, man. Yo, this movie's so great. It's so great. I, oh. I, I don't think I've ever had a worse time watching a movie for the podcast. I'll be honest. <laughs> was the ridiculousness too ridiculous for you? So some of it was okay. And then some of it was just not fun for me. I like the idea of there being like a secret Santa warehouse with counterfeit toys. <laughs> I didn't need a 25 minute action scene about it. Oh, I think I did though. We speaking of wrestling, fucking the giant was in that. Did you recognize yes. him? I'm gonna deck your halls, bub. Also, a uh, shout out to Brandy Rhodes, who is my favorite wrestler and great on a lot of the podcasts I've heard her on and her own show, Shot of Brandy who just told the public that she's having a baby. Oh, congrats to them. Her and her husband with a questionable neck tattoo, Cody. Hopefully he can live up to the standard that Arnold set as dad of the year. (laughs) I I think your kid deserves better than that, but you know, whatever. Uh, If my dad was turbo, man, (laughs) that would be everything. (laughs) If my dad was home... (laughs) If my dad showed physical affection. If my dad was a dad. Like, because for me, it it broke down when he was like, yeah, well, you missed my last karate graduation and all of baseball season and our family tradition parade every year. And like, there was just a point where he listed so many things that I was like, this is not a father. This is a sperm donor who lives in the same house. Phil Hartman fucking all the moms. I want that movie. I I want like you want the dirty Mac of the century yeah. out here hoeing. Merry Christmas, Langston residents. Hi, I Ted. Howard, hey buddy, how's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Ted, I need to speak to Liz. Uh, could you get? Mm. Oh, Howard, excuse me. But your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? I'm just helping Liz out a little in the kitchen. She's making up a storm here. Ted, I need to speak to my wife. So could you get her on the phone, please? I think she's in the shower, Howard. Do you want me to go check? No! I mean, no, that's fine. On your way out, just tell her it would be a few minutes late. But you shouldn't worry. Oh, she won't worry. I mean, I'm here and... Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Les. Put that cookie down! Now! You know what he was? Also, a good dad. Oh, man. That's so funny, man. I want want a movie about that deer destroying the local ecosystem. The question that may come off as offensive and is not meant to be such. (laughs) Let's go. Is Sinbad meant to be funny in this movie? <laughs> yes, he's a, oh. he's a drunk mailman. The only, to... the only time I laughed was when Jake Lloyd popped up as the drunk mailman. Oh, that was an and, amazing. And scene. then at which point my dad just goes, okay, well, that's happening now. Arnold and then he goes, not... oh, it's Star Wars, kid. It took him until he was a drunk mailman for my dad to realize it was Star Wars kid. Arnold did not want his son growing up to be a drunk black mailman. I think all white dads want that for their son. Well, I'm pretty pretty sure two of of those things are not within his control, but one of them seems pretty solid on. Oh, man, you never know. Some Uh, some people just want to be mailmen. Listen... If the spirit moves you, 
So, yeah, I didn't mean that to be like some sort of comedic hot take, but I guess it was. <laughs> oh, the night, yo, the Simbad in the 90s. He was Simbad in the 90s was basically like he is a stand-up comedian and this this stand-up comedy is fairly decent. I wouldn't go beyond decent, but his whole thing is having a clean act. So, well, so it seemed like he had a really good sense of like timing and so like it's obvious that yeah. he's a professional. Yeah. But all of his lines were bad. <laughs> and like so so he made a joke about the Rodney King beatings. Yes. That like <laughs> that was a thing in the 90s that black comedians were mega insensitive to war. And it wasn't even comedians, to be very honest, and rest in peace to Rodney King. That was a complete joke that everyone made fun of and it's a, it's gross like all all joking aside like I, i'm definitely having fun talking about this movie but like, yeah that, that was something that was mega gross that no one fully acknowledged at the time but yeah when i heard that shit this time i was like Ugh, yeah sick. matthew and i just looked at each other and we're like <laughs> did white, he just white people hearing that joke in 2020 <laughs> Oh, cat! you're a fucking trooper, yo. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Uh, wait until we get to my thoughts on Go, because that's <laughs> another... Like, my dad came down last night and watched part of that with me, and he oh. just we went, pause it for a second, would you? And I paused it, and he looked me in the eye, and he goes, what the fuck is wrong with your friend? In reference to you. So... <laughs> for full disclosure... Go is a movie that I have, it was something that came out when I was 99, so I was in, like, middle school, had no business watching this fucking movie. I don't think I've watched Go since probably, like... Vietnam. (laughs) Since, like, 06 or 07 or some shit like that. Was it worth it? Was it good for you? Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the trip down memory lane <laughs> listen i was in it for shirtless timothy oliphant exclusively hey man he got it off what'd you think about the sideburns he needed a haircut but like that was 99 that was- well yeah I've, I've never been a bit okay so first of all i think it's pretty well established at this point on this podcast that like i'm not here for blonde men sorry blonde men don't take it personal but i'm just hey. like you have to have so much extra charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Uh, spell out the acronym if you don't get it, honey. And like, and you have to have so much more of that if you're blonde for me to like find you attractive. Damn. So his like frosted tips thing was just not landing for me. Was it blonde? I thought it was like a orangish gold. Okay, so in the first like scene, he it's low key blonde. And then the next time you see him, like when they come <laughs> back up the stairs, it's like a muddy orange brown. And I was like, Maybe he died did, did the drugs change your hair color real quick? Uh, I think it did, man. All that, all the E. Yeah, he took a hit of E too fast, and it just like <laughs> darkened his hair. You come here out of the blue asking for twenty hits. Just so happens twenty is the magic number where intent to sell becomes trafficking. Todd, I would never fuck you like that. How would you fuck me, bro? Oh my god. Mary okay, but anyway, Xmas, Mary Xmas, like her name is Mary, not like you marry her. Her, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, back to Jingle all the way. Also, like the whole a- action thing at the end, it was a fine action set piece, but it was way too long. Really, this movie needed a good editor. Is oh, what this movie needed. Hold on. What are we cutting out? What are we cutting out? Uh, I would say like each long jetpack sequence could lose ten <laughs> seconds. At least. And by the end of the last 20 minutes of the movie, that would be like half the length. I like the idea of Sinbad beating up the other guy to get in the suit to chase the kid. Great. I'm into that. I don't need 10 minutes of Arnold Schwarzenegger learning how to use his jetpack and then showboating in latex once he figures it out. Hold on. Would you not showboat in latex if you could work a jetpack? Not like that. Not by just thumping my crotch towards the camera. <laughs> big, big pelvic thrust. <laughs> like, oh. I watched that movie back to back with Die Hard. 
Whoa. And that was the most, like, fucked up tonal whiplash I've ever had. I mean, bro, that's a fucking, that is a pivot. God damn. One Christmas classic to the next. (laughs) Yeah, so it's about worshipping capitalism, which is fine, except it doesn't really make a point about worshipping capitalism. Like, worshipping capitalism is still the answer. Worshipping capitalism is the thing that brings the family together. It's not making any meaningful commentary on it because Phil Hartman has just been worshipping capitalism longer. It doesn't, you're right. Jingle All the Way is kind of a dystopian hellscape. If you t- even if you take out the neglect aspect. And like, I don't dislike Arnold trying to do comedy. I don't dislike like the, the Rita Wilson scene. and the weird creepy tension with the neighbor next door. Like, I don't dislike the neighbor next door. I don't dis- I don't dislike the kid being like, you should get a divorce. It did wonders for my dad. That was excellent like, advice. <laughs> I, so many of these aspects almost work. That the fact that the script is so bad and is literally just like, have you considered capitalism in America? Hey. It's hey. like very... Hey, did you notice that all of my like Christmas movie picks were about like, Love, love and community togetherness <laughs> and yours are about violence drugs and toys yes yes cat you've got it you've hit the show in that love childhood you're absolutely on it i'm so proud of you you've done the work that a therapist would get paid to do i'm very happy that you. i'm, I'm just there with my little archaeologist brush brushing off layers and layers of of tr- the last you know 20 years until I, I get down to the, the little... You, you, you get down, you're on your knees, you're like in Jurassic Park 1. You're like brushing away, then you see a dusty-ass turbo doll. <laughs> Marcus, what is this toy gun that I found? One of my favorite scenes in Jingle All The Way. The payphone scene. Those are my Long. cookies. Those are my cookies. Put the cookie down. That is the only thing I actually really like knew about this movie going into it. Oh, you told me that you... So I've you, like seen a review of it and I know the general beats of the story. Like it's not easy to figure out the general beats of the story in the first two and a half minutes. By the time he goes, I didn't make it about the karate graduation. It's pretty obvious where this movie's going to go. Oh, man. Okay. Did you know that he will be Turbo Man at the end? Did you know that? Yes. No, you did it so <laughs> Okay. Why would they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger? Why would they cast an action figure shaped man if he was not going to be an action figure shaped man dressed as the action figure at the end? Did you know how they will pull it off though? I mean, no, but it kind of doesn't matter. I did enjoy watching Booster get the shit kicked out of him though. That was Fuck Booster. I huh. completely forgot that happened. It was so funny. <laughs> this is a similar issue to what I had with Hook, where it's like, this is seems to be every nineties kids movie. Yeah. Is like, dad works too much. I never see him. I wish my dad was cool. And by the end of the movie, he's like, wow, my dad is the cool thing I always wanted this whole time. And now Bob Hoskins or Phil Hartman is way less appealing to me, or Dustin Hoffman, or way less appealing to me, problematic figure, Dustin Hoffman, or uh, way less appealing to me than my old dad. Like, Cat. You have figured out the puzzle of what it means to be an 80s baby growing up in the 90s. Yeah, and like, I'm good. I like my complex animated narratives from Pixar Uh, that allowed me to think critically about cinema since I was too small. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, that's that's legit, like, kind of coming out of Reagan and 80s and when Republicanism was, like, at its pop culture height fathers slaving away for the machine have the i ever just being latchkey kids okay so before we get off jing all the way even identifying what you kind of see in the movie and me kind of confirming like your suspicions of kind of what it is to be a kid like 
of the 90s and I seeing characters like Arnold be a terrible dad but then us kids be like well that's pretty much the norm yay like and that's what I want more specifically like that's the thing that's more upsetting to me is they're like what did my review say he promised to spend more time with his kids and then got carried away by a throng of people that he didn't know so he didn't have to spend time with his wife and kids anymore I mean hey man do you think though and maybe this is like super difficult to even kind of answer do you think that if you were of the 80s like you would kind of you would see the vibe in that kind of way I think the issue is that like by the time I got to the vibe it had been a vibe for so long it wasn't like a vibe anymore like I'm familiar with the vibe the the vibe by the time I was like a kid this was the tv vibe this was the after school special vibe yeah this was like roly-poly Oli had an episode about the dad working too much it was so omnipresent by the time that i grew up that the idea of it being a thing like i could understand if it was the first time that you saw it yeah or even like the 10th or 15th but at a certain point like kids aren't stupid I would hope that they would notice, hey, this movie's also about the dad being a workaholic bitch. What happened? And then the, the dismount. He completely forgot about his wife for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's the cats in the cradle, like that Cat Stevens song. The idea that like you never really get to make time for your kid. He just grows up and gets out of your life. And then he does the same shit to his kid. We just accepted that men were just buffoons. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to fight with you about it because why would I? Like, we watched three movies that like exemplified male buffoonery, and that's what Police feels like Christmas to you. Police buffoonery, too. <laughs> so much buffoonery. All of it, I would say, penis having buffoonery. Hey, man. That was. That was my experience growing up, yo. Like, it's so funny thinking about kind of how being a guy and saying something is banal as men are trash on Twitter or whatever. And not all men. Yeah, and getting that kind of response or whatever. But it's like Well whoa. it's dude. So the the thing that drives me so banana pancakes about the not all men nonsense is like a lot of them are like Oh, like, Jingle All the Way is my favorite holiday movie. Like, that doesn't end with a resolution. Like, he doesn't do better by his kid. Yeah. His kid is taken in by a shiny outfit. And the dad basically doing the bare minimum to ensure his kid doesn't die after actively endangering his kid. Funny thing is, like, between these three movies, I basically, in a roundabout way, saw them all roughly around the same time. Like, Mm-hmm. I would say I would say the unedited version of Die Hard, I probably didn't see until until about like the two thousands because it was always on TBS, always mm-hmm. or TNT USA, and it's kind of like we grew up in this sort of era in society where men were just not culpable, like they could get away with tons of buffoonery and it was totally acceptable, and that's kind of like that's kind of what I was birthed out of and. For me to be a guy born in 86 and talking about that now, like, that shouldn't be a shock or controversial at all. So, and how does that make you feel? How does it make me feel? So let's just say I'm very happy that I recognized the jiggles up with men a long time ago. Let's just say I'm very proud of myself for that. Would I change it? I mean, if we could change decades of men being terrible to women, like, I would love that if we can somehow change that. But since we can't, it's really all kind of about identifying the fucked up things that we've done, the fucked up things that we do to avoid shit like this in the future. Mm-hmm. Looking at Jing all the way and the ridiculousness of it is funny to me. But on a very serious note, the signs of all the wild shit that Arnold was doing, that Ted was doing, it was all there. It's not like she dies tomorrow where there's some subtext of a point that you have to think really hard to get. Like, no, like the very beginning, like, you know, he's a shit dad. And then all the other men, Sinbad, the cops, Ted, everyone is a shit man in their universe. And then there's no real women. Like the women, we have the mom. But and she's then- a nag. That's her whole character. She's an unfun nag. She's a nag. She's 
<laughs> like, does she do anything else I'm forgetting about? I think she's just a nag. She's a nag and she doesn't want to sleep with Phil Hartman. Which, so, in this case, is the correct approach for her marriage, I would say. And all the other women that do want to sleep with Phil Hartman are kind of viewed as, in a narrative perspective, dumb because they're choosing to sleep with Phil Hartman. Yeah. And, like, listen, women, don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> don't sleep with Phil Hartman now as he's been dead since 1998. But, like, you know. So, are we still necro? Yeah, no, no necrophilia. None. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, The Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki. A.K.A. The Shredder. And we've put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki has named as his Cretan of the Week and find something valuable in the Shred commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. Well, let's let's go to Die Hard because I have it on right now, and Alan Rickman is in the boardroom. Why he... is he the best part of this movie? Oh, he's a fucking amazing! And by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning twenty percent. Yo, but also he's right. Alan Rickman as Hans. He is iconic, and that's not a joke. Like, he is top-tier movie villain. And when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept, for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> Benefits of a classical education. He's right. Amazon, pre-Amazon, is a bad idea. Amazon during Amazon is a bad idea. He's fucking. He, he's right. I don't like the way he goes about it, but he's correct. Bro, he was he was a fucking menace in a suit, yo. It was yeah, great. no, I could listen to him talk about the suit he was wearing for like hours. I was like, Queen, go off. <laughs> oh man. I also like the idea that like he got money because like he has one of them suits too. Like he's. He's a high-class, white-collar, vicious yeah. murderer. Yeah, one of my favorite parts at the end when she's uh, when McLean's wife is like, "You're just a petty thief." He's like, "I'm an exceptional thief." <laughs> like, yeah. And seeing as I'm about to add kidnapping to those charges, like, ugh. Ugh. Kidnap ugh. me. <laughs> Throw me off a building. Yes, um, please. I'll get you. Don't worry. Don't oh, even man. worry about it. It'll be fine if I don't land. You know the funny thing about 80 suits? A lot of 80 suits weren't really well tailored. Like they were like Yeah, they were the sack suits. Yeah, but they got him right. They got yeah, his well, right. Yeah, well, he's European. Well, touche. Damn. This movie, and I—I I don't know if you read my shit for this. I legit put this as an American classic. Like I—I I am not joking about that. This movie is fucking awesome. No, I—I I really enjoyed it. I think it kind of falls into that Terminator Two bucket in a lot of ways. Of like, I've seen a lot of media that exists in a post this world, oh, and yeah. thusly, it's really hard to like. Like this is the movie that, if you notice, even actually Terminator is a great point because even if you notice how. From Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, even Arnold's body is. In the 80s, the big thing was, like, big cartoon muscles or whatever, you know, super strong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then this movie comes. He's agile. He's a he's a regular schmegler. He's, like, balding. He's wearing no shoes. He's wearing a dirty A tank top. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, wearing a wife beater and no shoes. I was not use. I was not, I was going to use A tank top to be a bit more 
astute, but but yeah. So in everything after Die Hard, like everyone tries to be a smart ass, everyone tries to be funny, but this is like the blueprint to that. When I say I screamed when it went now I have a machine gun. I have a machine gun now, ho ho ho. Like (laughs) I hollered. Oh man. Like great this movie. Yeah, there's just a lot of really good moments in this in this here picture. There were also some that I would describe as very predictable. I sat down and wrote out all of my predictions for the movie before it started. Oh, and shit. I got all of them. Hold on, from seeing just stills on the internet? And like existing in a post-diehard society. Okay. I mean, yeah. Do you have any idea how many first dates I've been on? And they're like, oh my god, you haven't seen Die Hard? And just like start what? going off about how Die Hard is the most influential movie in their life and blah blah blah. Oh, also, no. by the way, a a movie in which a man is a terrible husband and father and is <laughs> rewarded by shooting his way out of his problems instead yes. of actually like being accountable. <laughs> yes. But at least in this one, he's like tries to apologize, and it's a pretty shit apology because he lays out no plan for how to be better going forward. He, he merely acknowledges that he was a douche. He can barely hold a conversation with his wife without getting into a fight. He needs to save her and a bunch of people from European terrorists. And just one of the one of the, my favorite things of this movie, I love that we were. What that was used to be in a time when we saw white people with machine guns and we thought terrorists. Like that was a very, that was a very touching time. I don't. I don't think I was ever alive during that time. <laughs> you weren't. <laughs> you were not. Because like, like this is the pivot. I I saw him and then I was like lone wolf shooter and then there was twelve of them and I was like lone wolf shooters. <laughs> lone um, wolf shooters. Jeez. It's the lone wolf shooters club, guys. Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've heard, but the system has really like let down white men recently. And like, I I just like, it's so hard to be a white man in a time when their rights are being viciously stripped away from them. We should try to make the country um, uh, well again. I don't know if that's really. Okay. So like, let's be honest though. Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard 200% Trump supporter. Like, I'm sorry. I don't make the rules, but like, I'm right. Who? Because he wants his guns. I bet he's like a one and a half issue voter. And he's like, I want my guns. I want more police funding. Like, he's a cop. He's a fucking New York City cop. He wants his guns and he wants his funding. (laughs) He wants a pension so he can retire when he's 46 and get paid more as a retiree than he ever got paid on the force. And he wants to be able to shoot his wife and children whenever he so... Whoa! Jesus Christ! Like, he's not going to have a breakdown and resent her for getting a job at a company that, like, fucking grabs terrorists by the lapels and goes, kill me, rob me. Like, come on. The money they had in Nakatomi Plaza is equivalent to $1.4 billion today. <laughs> like, that's fucking insane. That sounds like, you know, what they used to line Jeff Bezos's mattress. Like, that ain't shit to these people. Basically. There is no doubt in my mind that if we were to check in, like on like realistic Die Hard. I mean, you know the funny is the the reason that this one and Die Hard with Avengers is so great is even though obviously this kind of terroristic robberies are very outlandish. Everything else is. Are they though? Well, touche. I would say it's still based in at least some pretty decent realm of reality. In the fourth Die Hard movie, he's on a fucking he's riding a fucking fighter jet through some oh, city. I thought I thought you were gonna say he's going to space. I was much I mean, more excited about space. I mean, hey, Fast and Furious come come to a universe near you. <laughs> I hate those movies. Um, <laughs> no! Did it like any of them? I've only seen like one, three, five, six, and seven, I think. 
one and five are great. Maybe I missed some things <laughs> by skipping like half of the movies. Uh, you didn't miss very much. <laughs> but like, I don't know. There's only so many times I can get excited when I hear like, like, and then it just kind of. So dragging is safe through a city in Brazil. It's not, doesn't flow your boat. I mean, no. It's so funny. We, you brought up. All this shit about being an 80s baby and a 90s kid. They all grew up to make that those fucking movies. But guys are talking about Die Hard on the first day. That's pretty wild, man. It's either that or Pulp Fiction. Oh, oof. Shout out. Oh, so you like movies? <laughs> I would much rather talk about Die Hard than Pulp Fiction on the first day. If I go out out with someone, even if it's just like as a friend, and I come back to their apartment and they've got like either a Pulp Fiction poster, really any Nolan movie poster, or like even honestly, like a Die Hard poster, I tap right out. Die Hard is a really aggressive poster. Like, And after seeing Die Hard, I still believe that's correct. That is, <laughs> it's a good movie, but tapping out of the male entitlement that that movie uh, yeah. continues to promote. Yeah still feels like the best and authentic course of action for me like and and listen listen hey hey i'm not trying to say that if you like die hard you're bad i liked die hard i'm not trying to say if it's your favorite christmas movie you're bad i mean you're wrong but that's okay and like it's your favorite it's my favorite it can't, i didn't say it's the best i said it's my favorite it's a big difference. yeah and you're wrong and that's okay and, hilarious but like what does he do that's nice for the wife? I mean, like, obviously he saves, uh, her, saves life, her life. Like, that's great. <laughs> but, like, he saves everybody else's life in there, too. He could have gone walking off to the sunset with the blonde guy that Coke bro was fucking. And it would feel just oh as earned God, to Ellis, me. Can we just talk a second about the powerhouse that is Ellis? What are you doing? Tired of sitting here waiting to see who gets us killed first, them or your husband. What are you going to do? Hey, babe, I negotiate million dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey, frequency talk, huh? Why doesn't he ever? Why doesn't he ever act like he's on cocaine, though? Uh, is he just oh, like no. so? Is he just like so depressive that like cocaine just keeps him Mellows upright? Him. Like, hey, man. Bro, it's so fun. I never did a bump, but I've seen I've seen people after they've done bumps, and they look very Elish like. So yes, but he seems decidedly low energy until all of a sudden he's like uh, until he powers up. <laughs> yeah, and then he pretty much immediately gets shot. Like, hey, it's it's the coke. It's the coke. It's the cocaine. It took eight hours to enter his system fully, but when it did. Hey man, shit's jumping off. I was, to answer your question, what good thing that he ever did McLean ever do for his wife? The funny thing is, it's before the movie even happened, is that he didn't handcuff her and he let her follow her jeans to, to make money in LA with Nakatomi. Right, but they like still had a fight. Oh yeah. In, but I'm I guess I'm being kind of tongue in cheek, but like the best thing he did was just like letting her go. Right. Oh, so, that's not much. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's um, not, it's not much, yes. And like, mm, yeah. Um, but hold on, so what if, so instead of the Die Hard movie poster, do you remember the shoot the glass scene? Yes. And there's a shot of Alan Rickman looking like a fucking beast shooting the fucking machine gun. And he just looks, he doesn't even look like he's a maniac. He just looks like he's, I gotta kill John McClane. And he has this stern look on his face that, like, I need to get this shit done. What if they just had just that picture on their wall of, of Alan Rickman letting the, the SK go? Shoot the glass. If they had the picture of the anti-capitalist terrorist looking like <laughs> a snack on their wall, I would be much more inclined to party down with them. <laughs> oh, you like Hans, too? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. You're really into like the destruction of mega conglomerations and acknowledge that mega commerce is destroying our, our infrastructure and like economic system 
and oh. that like bottom lines don't matter more than than human lives you like this wow. suit too oh my god that tie Jesus. oh wow you're into good tailoring oh my god tell me more about that <laughs> oh my oh <laughs> uh, hans the god that's all this this <laughs> Alan Rickman, rest in peace to the god. Like it's so. Funny. I saw him in a play once. No fucking way. How yeah, he? yeah, he was really good. So seeing him in the play was the thing that made me realize I needed glasses. <laughs> you couldn't see. Nope. Oh, how young were you? Fourteen, fifteen. He was very good. Play was called the Seminar. A uh, Hamish Linklater and favorite of the podcast Jerry O'Connor. <laughs> we're also in it and it was really good but like probably not great for me as a 14 year old to have been seeing what was it about so it's about a, a writer who gives a seminar to like four writing students and it takes place over like eight sundays of the like seminar and uh like at one point alan rickman starts like fucking one of their girlfriends and like it's a whole thing like so Alan Rickman doing Alan Rickman things. Well, like yeah, but that. he like does it to get him to write better. Okay. But like <laughs> it works off one hand washes the other. It's it's a complex situation to try and comprehend when you're like 13, 14. Yeah. Any last remarks about Die Hard before we move on to the American um, Cinematic Classic go? It's weird to me that the character who has the best arc in Die Hard is the one who murdered a child. Al Powell. Oh my god, can we, oh bro, I completely forgot about th- that plot line of him being a child killer. <laughs> See, this is <laughs> cops being buffoons. See, man, oh bro, that hit me, man. That fucking hit me. I completely forgot when that happened, yo. It was something I was not expecting because, like I said, like I, I haven't watched Die Hard in years, so I completely forgot that like little plot line, but but yeah, man. Uh, i love that the point that they tried to make about police brutality was like see every black man shot a kid so it's not a racism thing like even cops feel bad when they kill people unjustly (laughs) but he's still a cop well we still need cops do we we need to pay social workers better. But yeah, man, he was, I guess, die hard to sort of proves we're not pure, but we do what we have to do. Oh, also, man. the principal from the Breakfast Club is back. Oh, yeah. He's... I had the strongest visceral gut reaction <laughs> to seeing him. Oh, man. Like, all of a sudden, like, my eyebrows went down. My whole face, like, clenched. For- like, we were closed for business. Like. Uh, this guy is a fucking 80s staple, yo. He's unavoidable. I hate him. I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to. I hate him. No good, very bad, don't do it. He's always a jerk off, yo. He's always a jerk off. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Malachi. And this is Alejandra. And you're sitting on the couch and your life is passing you by because you're not watching Insert Name Here. Catch us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you missed us, you can catch us on Friday on Spotify and Amazon. Yeah, obvious nonsense, gang, gang. Highfield Podcast Squad, you never take us down. All right, so we have to move to your favorite movie, The Night Go. Yeah, favorite. (laughs) Favorite, yep. So I will just say that I actually think the f- the last two thirds of this movie, especially the last third, really fucking good. Go. Yeah. Okay, let's think about this logically. She's either alive or she's dead. All right? If she's dead, there's nothing we can do about it. If she's alive, the guy who had that gun, who looked like he really wanted to shoot her, he probably did shoot her. So. Even if she's alive, she's dead. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. On the plus side, the only witnesses are you, me, and him, and I don't think any one of us are going to want to talk about this anytime soon, so... It really... It really didn't go as bad as it could have. 
a girl is dead. Zach, I didn't say it went perfectly. Oh, shit. I mean... But the first third is so bad and so unpleasant that I almost shut it off. Do you mean just like, Rana's story? Yeah, yeah. Rana's bit was so unpleasant that literally I was on the brink of shutting it off. Like, I had remote yeah. in hand. Yeah. Well, tell me, what was... There's no likable or compelling characters. Everyone's motivations are very simple, black and white, and not particularly compelling. I don't really care that Rana gets evicted because all Rana does is treat people poorly. I don't really care about uh, the drug dealer friend because he's kind of just an asshole. I don't I'm really a- care about Katie Holmes because she doesn't do anything. I only really care about Timothy Oliphant because he doesn't have a shirt on. Like, uh, the, the cops were kind of sus from the go because they were so, hey. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see me, which is all of you, I just did the fun mom shoulders. You know the ones. And, like, even the friend who, like, takes the two tabs, Gross. it's not funny. He's tripping out because... <sighs> Because Timothy Oliphant was like, if you take two tabs, you will fucking die. And like, so I spent the whole time being like, when is he going to die? And when are the actions going to have consequences? And the answer is never. Because Rana getting hit by a car is not actually related to what happened to her or what she chose to do. It's a freak occurrence that happened to happen anyway. So she doesn't learn anything. I mean, I think that's the whole point of this movie, though. Like, there's no lessons in this movie. Um, uh, yes, there fucking is. Oh shit! Would you? <laughs> uh, drug dealer friend getting shot in the arm after like having to <laughs> vacate the two gays teaming up to cut their mutual like fuck buddy's hair because he was lying to both of them worse than they were lying to each other. And becoming closer with each other through that. The undercover cops having to sell Amway because they, like, aren't making ends meet doing cop shit. Like, there are so many more interesting and compelling narratives and lessons to be learned, or at least consequences to be had in this movie, than what they chose to concentrate on in the first third. I think, though, I don't think you can introduce the other stories without Rana's story first, though. Make it more interesting, then. Or or not even more interesting, but, like, this is the first third of your movie. But I think it's one of those things where, for her character, I think the whole purpose is not necessarily if you like her or not, but I think that's just what the writer's commentary on what that generation was. I pitch a counter-argument. Don't follow Rana, follow Katie Holmes. You know what I like about you? And it's not your face. You're only medium cute. But I think it's... I don't know, you're the first non-fake person I've met here. It's kind of nice. Professional curiosity, what are you on? I'm serious. So am I. What are you on? (laughs) Ginseng and Dexatrim. You know what I like best about Christmas? The surprises. I mean, it's like you get this box, and you're sure you know what's inside of it. You know, you shake it, you wait, you're totally convinced you have it pegged. No doubt in your mind. But then you open it up and it's completely different. You know, wow, bang, surprise. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you and me here, you know? I'm not saying it's anything it's not. It's just, come on, this time yesterday, who would have thunk it? Make the first story about her just hearing updates from Timothy Oliphant and then them having to go to the rave or make the, you know what? I take it all back. Make it about Timothy Oliphant, honestly. Mm. I think that's much more interesting. I like his character. I think kind of the nihilistic kind of, we're really just sort of getting by the kind of young adults of that era. I think it is pretty well channeled in who Rona was. Like you call her Rona is Rana. Like he, I think it's pretty well channeled in her character. But I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in the fact that. If you're watching this movie and you're trying to get into the movie, are you really sort of engrossed or enchanted or even it's such a halfway steep, liking her? It's you don't even need to like her, you just need to be interested. Yeah. I and like you. when she got hit by the car and was presumed dead, I was like, Okay, well, she's not gonna have to make rent. Like that was it. <laughs> that was like all I got from the first third of her story was like, Great. So that's how her arc ends. I mean like she- 
she limps away in the end. Well, right, but like the fact that her dying was like, oh, well, that does solve all her problems is like I mean- maybe not <laughs> how you should be thinking about one of the three protagonists of your picture, I might argue. <laughs> Hey, we've all been there before. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, solves her shit. Like, uh, next story. Like, legitimately, I was like, this is the best possible outcome for Rana. Death. Like, I mean, she's going to get murdered by a drug dealer who she stole pills from, or she's going to get arrested. Or I really don't understand why she didn't just, like, tell him what happened. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, if, if she would have just told him, or she would have gave him some of her rent money and just been evicted. The rest of the story doesn't okay, really happen for her. But imagine that she went to the rave, sold the, the drugs, and then just gave him the extra hundred bucks and was like, there you go. There are I mean, so many easier and better ways that that could have gone. But that, but the counterpoint to that is, well, yeah, like there's a lot of easier ways they could have handled it, but the counterpoint to that is, I think that's what the writer is doing. Like, she's not smart. <laughs> like, right. She, and it's her, her lack of smartness mixed with her lack of likability. I, I get you. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I also, that was the ugliest looking rave I've ever seen. I mean, I used to rave. So, like, but you weren't in the 99 and the 90s oh, raves, though. No, but like, if I were on any mind-altering substance, and that includes liquor or too much caffeine, nothing about that rave would be good for you. They were rolling mad beans, man. They didn't give a shit. You know, so funny. So, you remember the scene during Simon's story when him and Marcus are in the strip club? Yeah. And I want to order your biggest, most expensive bottle of champagne. The two girls that are there... They're definitely Skinamax actresses. <laughs> that, like that whole story is a much better story of like idiocy and debauchery. Oh, because yes, the characters are at least one of them is likable or interesting. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, mad flashbacks. I will just say though, did I scream? When fucking what's her name showed up in the third act, when Jane Krakowski showed up, <laughs> yes, he yes, I fucking did. You weren't expecting that ass to pop up, literally. And she looked hot. <laughs> oh man, I wanted more of those stories and less of the the Rana thing. I think just her thing is just we're we're in a fucking train ride of just fucking wildness. I also feel like they story. knew hers was the most like mundane and boring. Yeah. And like, they didn't want to be accused of having like a mundane and boring middle. Yeah. So they put hers first. Like if you cuz if you do Simon's story first and you do her story and then the last story there is kind of a lull there. I would I would say that definitely. I mean there's almost part of me that's like start with the gay couple and work backwards Mm. like obviously you'd have to then put the third with like the the breaking down of the door into todd's apartment like that would still have to go in the third act obviously but that to me is much more interesting you know we have the story about his rotten night the the stories about the same rotten night in california bookending the story just order switched so we see who got hit by the car, why they got hit by the car, how Simon's story wraps up. So did your dad watch the whole thing with you or just part of nope. it with you? Nope. He, he left uh, after Taydig swore a lot. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that's actually a pretty good thing because he missed the, uh, the three. <laughs> <laughs> oh man cat you're a fucking trooper yo oh my god audience i know you can't see me but i'm very solemnly nodding that was a fucking bullet to dodge boy yeah thanks for the warning on that really felt like christmas up in here hey i didn't know that we watching go with you you 
he watches most of them with me because I have to watch them in a public space. All right, I'll be very, very certain to to give you the three-way warning in the future. My flaming hot take here is that the nonchalance with which it handled the reveal that they were gay yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah, especially for the time. Yeah. yeah, I also kind of got a kick out of the like, I've both, I've only cheated on you once, I've only cheated on you once. It, oh, it was Jimmy for makeup. Oh, it was Jimmy for makeup. And they were like talking to each other about how they made Jimmy from makeup like better for the other one. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Because like, I feel like that's a conversation that like. That's kind of a hard conversation, yeah. Right, but they also like bonded over it. Like they realized that they were like, oh, we were like each trying to turn this person into a person that was better for each other. Why haven't we just kind of been doing that? Huh, suddenly so in mid-October, they started, or was sex started getting way better? Yeah, and, like, I kind of like that they decided, like, they decided to work through it. Yeah. It wasn't really drama. I mean, there was some the fantabulous pettiness, but, like, yeah, they were like, but we're still solid. It makes me very happy that you can appreciate one of my favorite Christmas movies and go. Are you going to cut all the parts where you say you haven't seen these movies in like 20 years or are you keeping that in and then still calling them your favorite Christmas movies? Oh, uh, no, I'm definitely leaving them in. <laughs> I, it's what, like, I, I, don't act, I don't watch holiday movies during the holidays. So I don't, like, when I used to have cable, I would throw on one of your favorite movies, A Christmas Story, because it was on 24 hours a day. But I wasn't going out of my way to, like, Oh yeah, I I I need to watch this at least. I keep I have the tradition of watching this once a year. I I never really did that honestly. And, That's fair. And the funny thing is, if if they weren't running Christmas Story twenty four hours a day, like I I wouldn't go out of my way to watch that either. Actually, funny, I haven't watched. I haven't had cable since like twenty seventeen, maybe. And i i don't even think i've watched it even on that christmas so i don't remember last time i actually watched it but i love these movies because <laughs> die hard is not it's it's very easy to kind of explain die hard why i love die hard and the goofiness of jingle all the way is why i love that movie i just think that for even for go like i love the fact that i watch it in an era where i could just watch movies on cinemax and they'd be mad independent like this movie, it only it only grossed like eight million dollars at the box office. Like this this wasn't like this is kind of like more sort of like a cult shit. Like it like there were a couple That's of not surprising. <laughs> I mean you can't pull this on like TBS, yeah. Like it's it's not the business, but like Yeah, you'd have to cut the whole plot. I mean, hey. I, and the funny thing, I think they even tried it once on cable, but like there's a ton of just like B B movies, C movies, D movies that from growing up on Cinemax stars, just a bunch of just like movies I, I just caught that kind of just kind of forgotten. It really kind of got me back to thinking of all those like dozens upon dozens of movies that I would just sort of catch like three star mm-hmm. movies, two and a half star movies. And just watch and just fully appreciate the art of just making movies. And so Go is kind of that for me. Like Go really reminds me of that time. That's fair. And like I said, two thirds of this movie are a four star movie. It's just the first third. Like I got a headache trying to enjoy it. <laughs> it's a lot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say the first third is, and I would not use the word enjoyable. I feel like they, they really just sat down with everybody in that first third and went, all right, Timothy Oliphant dismissed. Everyone else use as little charisma as possible. You are not likable. You are not interesting. You are not funny. There you go. Let's make a movie. Timothy can come back in now. There we go. There we go. That's it. That's it. That's it. I would actually love to talk to the person who wrote this movie because he must have been rolling mad beans, man. Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Follow Marcus at Showin' Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Instagram. 
Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark, and join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress dot com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?